Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century and beyond. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me, as always, is the one who speaks the truth, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I am doing great, Andy. In fact, I'm doing better than great. I am so excited because we are coming up on our 100th episode together. Can you believe that? 100 which is which is crazy because if you think about it 100 hours of conversation yeah right 100 hours of you and me and sometimes our friends getting together and talking about disney that it really does feel like a big achievement it's a huge achievement i mean disney's also celebrating a big 100th birthday and you would think that we plan things these this way but you know, there is so <laughs> there's so much fate that goes into this no, podcast. It, People have no idea. Things really just line up in this weird way. And sometimes it, we don't even catch it till after they air. Right. Uh, but what I was thinking would be fun. And and this is something that maybe our, li- our loyal listeners at home can do for us. On our 100th episode, we were wondering if you guys might write us some messages about what you think about the podcast, what you enjoy, uh, if there's any favorite moments that you had, favorite movies that we've covered, movies where we were completely wrong and should be ashamed of ourselves, uh, <laughs> pitches that you particularly enjoyed, movie requests that you would like us to consider uh, for a future season. I, I, it would really be fun for for all of you to be a part of the party of mm-hmm. our hundredth of our hundredth uh, episode, and uh, please 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 write in, and if we if we get enough responses, we'll sh- we'll share them. Uh, it yeah. would it would be it would be fun for you to be on the podcast with us. Yeah. So please, if you want to do that, go to our Facebook fan page, uh, and you can just send a message directly to us there, or you can email us at. Once upon a Disney podcast at gmail.com, all mm-hmm. one word. Uh, or, you know, if, if you know us privately and you want to use our, our other email addresses, that's fine too. We will still read them from you. But, but yeah, come be on the podcast with us. We'd, yeah. we'd love to share it with you. That'd be a lot of fun. I'm excited about that one. Okay. Good. Cause you need something to be excited about. Cause today we're talking about Pocahontas too. <laughs> Journey to a new world. Journey yes. to it. Now, I, I have been dying to ask you this question for a Yes. Okay. So last, last episode, I held your hand very tightly and I promised you <laughs> that Pocahontas 2 was worth discussing and that in many ways it is a better movie than Pocahontas 1. I need you to let people know, did I trick you or was I telling the truth? So it is... is- it- it is a better movie story-wise than Pocahontas. Story-wise. Than Pocahontas 1. Um, Music-wise, not so much. I mean, there's not no. a lot of memorable stuff in here. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, yeah, I think story-wise, this is far superior to, to Pocahontas. And I would almost suggest that the original Pocahontas story should be like an act one. And Pocahontas 2 should be like Acts 2 and 3. 
our big complaint about Pocahontas 1 is Pocahontas is not really activated Mm -mm. in any significant way to propel the story. She reacts to a bunch of things. She watches a bunch of things happen. She is caught up in, in, in events, but she never gets to make decisions or or act actively engage the storyline. Right. And it you're right. You could read all of Pocahontas 1 as the inciting incident to Pocahontas 2. Mm-hmm. I will grant you, the budget that was allotted to Pocahontas 2, the animation is not as good, the music is not as good. Um, you know, the the some some of the acting choices may not have been as famous. But I think if the investments had been made in Pocahontas 2, I, I think the ingredients are there yeah. for a really good, really good movie and story, which is not to say that's what we have here. I don't <laughs> I don't want to oversell it. I mean, you're selling it pretty good, though. You really are. OK, OK. <laughs> and, and I have been dying to to discuss this for years prior okay. to this podcast. But you know how many parties I'm at where I'm like, so has anybody ever seen Pocahontas 2 and want to talk about it? It, it is not the icebreaker that you might think it would be. <laughs> okay. Well, let's jump into some key facts. You, have, you go to some very interesting parties, Larry. Okay. Um, Any party fa- I go to becomes interesting. <laughs> That's right. Whether it was intended to or not. That's right. All right. Some key facts. If you want to learn more about the background of the Pocahontas franchise, we did an episode for the initial feature, uh, Pocahontas, that contains a lot of historical information. So I'm not going to dig into it here. Um, you can yeah, go, go back listen and- to that. Who, yeah. who listens to just our episode on Pocahontas 2? You skipped <laughs> our episode on Pocahontas 1, but you're like, this is the one I've been waiting for. <laughs> Stop right now and go back and correct that. Just correct. Or not. Or not. We can't force you. <laughs> So as far as the historical accuracy of the sequel, Pocahontas did arrive in England as a visiting princess to the court of King James and Queen Anne. She sat for a portrait where she's dressed in English attire. You can visit that portrait at the National Portrait Gallery of the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. I've seen it. Uh, She was given the alias Rebecca after her conversion to the Christian faith. And that's not really mentioned in this film for probably obvious reasons. Uh, So after John Smith went home to England after the movie, Pocahontas was engaged to Kakum, but chose John Rolfe instead. And I'm not really sure why that wasn't in the movie, but that's, that's yeah. Anyway. uh, So there was concern that after marrying Pocahontas, John Rolfe had actually committed an act of treason by King James. Uh, his colonial interests were indeed rather capricious. So you know that from this movie. He, no. He's a virtuous man, <laughs> loyal to his king. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Pocahontas died shipboard around March 21st, 1617, while headed back to the colonies. So that part gets left out, obviously. Maybe there was an movie. after the credits moment where we yeah. watched her die. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I stopped when I the credits started. I mean, it's really hard, like knowing this history and you're like, watch it and you're like, oh, they're going to, he's going to go with her to the new world and she's going to die on the ship. I mean, that's, oh yeah, boy. So. Oh boy. Sorry about that. Okay. So, um, and she's, she's buried in St. George's church in, in London. 
Uh, Pocahontas 2 released on August 25th, 1998, a direct to video. So you would have found it at your local video store like Blockbuster or a retail store like Target for $27 retail. But if you waited a year to August 25th, 1999, you could find it in the $3 or less bin (laughs) anywhere. And there were tons of them. There were many. There were many. Many. Uh, They're still there. (laughs) So in in a LA Times interview at the time of the release, one of the movie's directors, Bradley Raymond, claimed the movie was more of a continuation than a sequel, which I'm not really sure what the difference is. Well, a sequel would be, I I mean, I I understand what, uh, what Bradley's saying. A sequel would be something that would tell a complete story beginning, middle, or end that might be in formed by the first story, but you could watch completely on your own without having seen the first one. Ah, and so as a continuation, you really like, have you to, can't. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yes. So a sequel should be a standalone. We've talked about that. You should be able to watch a sequel and, and get all the parts of it uh, and not have to have watched everything else to, to get that. So that I don't know that me. you can, I don't know that you can watch this and not have seen the first one. You have no idea why a raccoon is hanging out with a dog. Uh, who John Smith is and why he disappears and why that's important to Pocahontas right. makes no it would, sense. It wouldn't make no so sense, it, so right. I would agree with that critique. This is more of a continuation than a sequel. They don't hold your hand and catch you up on the things you needed to know. Right, right. So Irene Bedard, who plays Pocahontas in both films, enjoyed reading a lot of letters from children after the first film. And she said, I think kids in general just understand the basic meaning of things. She stopped this war. How cool. What a hero she is. I want to be like her. And so she was thrilled to be able to to give children uh, another Pocahontas movie. Uh, instead of Mel Gibson playing the part of John Smith, his brother Donald Gibson auditioned for the part voice part of Smith. And honestly, I think his voice is a dead ringer for his brothers. I mean, we were calling, we you know... When we were talking about it as the Brenner family, I said, oh, in this one, it's played by Schmel Schmibson. And, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty, I, I mean, close. you're right. I, I can't I can't hear the difference. Right. I really can't. Right. Uh, Jean Stapleton, who's famous for her role of Edith Bunker on All in the Family, voices Mrs. Jenkins, uh, John Rolfe's housekeeper. So it's fun to hear. I didn't I didn't recognize her. I didn't yeah. recognize her. That's fantastic. She does have a good British accent in that movie. And so it's fun to, it's fun to hear her there. So also Jim Cummings is the voice of King James. And if you listen carefully, you can kind of hear him uh, in this. Oh, for sure. There uh, was you can one hear the inflection where-, where you can almost hear a Winnie the Pooh kind of inflection there. So See, and I heard a Tiggerish sort of thing. At one point, at one point, Pocahontas says to him, I, I think uh, your kingdom is lovely, or I think you're such a lovely king. And his response is he turns to the queen and goes like, did you hear that? She called me lovely. And it reminded me of Tigger going, Kenga called me dear. Oh, uh, it interesting. Just, interesting. It, it was a call and response to me. Uh, but yes, they they uh, they unlock the the room in which they keep Jim's Jim Cummings prisoner, let him out to record some dialogue, and then right, stuff right. him back in, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, well, so 
that's all I've got to, for this. Well, then let's for this guy. Let's begin our voyage to a new podcast um, with <laughs> the Manish Tana. They're gonna wish they oh. were on a new podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, Staying, hang in here with us, folks. Hang in. We, just a few till we get to 100 episodes, folks. We're, um, <laughs> Pocahontas 2, we're going to ask the question we always ask with the Manish Tana, which is, why do we begin here? Once again, as in the first movie, we begin not in what we would call the New World, but in the city of London, where we are with John Smith, who is targeted by assassins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Radcliffe himself leads the charge uh, and is put. And I like I if you don't know the rest of the movie, what you just watch is John Smith get killed. He right. is dead. It It is flashbacks of Scar throwing uh, Mufasa to to yeah. to the to the herd and getting stampeded on. It It is it is actually you're watching a murder mm-hmm. and generally speaking direct to DVD movies don't open on the murder of a beloved character from the first movie. Um, right. But I'm, Andy, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad they do it. And, and I think it's a gutsy move, but I also think it's a good one because it sets up a contrast right away between this good versus evil. Um, if you were, Concerned about if you thought Radcliffe had been defeated in the last film, oh, he is alive and well, and maybe worse than ever. Yeah, I, no, I mean he he was not a strong antagonist in the first movie. I think right. he, I think he also has more to do in this movie, uh, which makes sense. It also the other thing that it does, honestly, it does raise the stakes right from the beginning. Pocahontas mm-hmm. one was very other than Cocoam, who is accidentally kind of killed uh struggling with john smith by by john's friend thomas and it, it really feels like an accident you really get the sense that nobody ever intends for anybody else to die these mm-hmm. things just sort of happen sometimes in this one nope this is a murder uh i mean i mean the stakes are high G- governor radcliffe has crossed a line in terms of He's now doing things that he knows to be villainous and to be wrong. Right. Uh, he's no longer an antagonist. He's now a villain. I will and it also say. Starts, it also starts with that classic Disney, let's meet the antagonist first, too, which is um, before we get into, you know, back to Pocahontas and back to what's going on. And it's wintertime and things are, it's, uh, it's a different different place for her. And she's having fun. But she's also dealing with the idea of John Smith's death. And so it's kind of an interesting, interesting choice. But, but that being said, I don't know that this is the right place to open the movie. Because I think a better place to open the movie would be on Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Getting excited for John Smith to return from England. There's a ship coming. She's so excited to be reunited with him. And then she gets a letter and the letter says John Smith is dead. That, and yeah, or and, gets the news somehow. Sure. I maybe I do think it's kind of interesting, though. I think the choice is interesting to see John Smith actually die and then to also see this, you know, hooded figure at the pub later on. So 
I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not I sure. Just, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that would have as much punch if we didn't see him actually croak. Well, so so here's here's my argument, broke, right? and, and look, we should argue about it. Um, yeah, here's yeah. my argument. If we don't see John Smith in this first scene, and we just get a letter saying that John Smith is dead mm-hmm. in the audience, I'm thinking, well, they couldn't get Mel Gibson to come back, so we're that's that's how they wrote off John Smith. We're never going to see that dude again. Right. But because I've seen him in the first few minutes and because I'm kind of savvy, I know if you drop someone in water, that doesn't mean that they're really dead. The surprise of him actually being alive and in this movie is lost. I think I think it would actually we would get a bigger gasp if this character who we assumed was not going to be in this movie because she got a letter and he's dead and it doesn't seem to be a murder mystery. Uh, I think I think we would get a gasp when he reveals himself because we would think, oh, he's actually in this after all. But well, there's a little bit of a problem with that, because if the ship comes in, it's got John Rolfe on it and she gets this letter or news from somebody, probably news from somebody, uh, because I don't think she reads English that um, that Smith is dead. And then she immediately turns to John Rolfe as I don't know it. I don't know. It could be kind of weird thinking, oh, well, she's now going to hook up with this guy. It could be kind of weird. I'm just I'm just saying time can pass. We can we can figure we can figure it out. Uh, but but anyway, that's where it opens. That's sure. how it opens on a brutal murder of one of the love interests in the first movie. Just like in Aladdin 2, which starts with Jasmine's brutal death at the hands of Jafar. I mean, same. Six of one half dozen of the other. That does not happen. I don't remember Return of Jafar. Um, We watched it. (laughs) I know. I remember nothing about it. Okay. Okay. All right. So moving into the plot. So so since so we do see this opening death of John Smith, but the death of John the death of John Smith is not the inciting incident of this movie. Uh, When we when we later see Pocahontas, Pocahontas has already come to terms with the fact that John is dead. We, we skip all of her mourning and grieving. She's still sad about it, but she's a little bit over it. What is going to be, we, we see her, uh, we see that Miko and Percy and Flit are still doing their animal trio nonsense uh, that they've always done. We see a bit of a snowball fight. So we see that Pocahontas, even in mourning, is still playful. Uh, but we're moving towards inciting incident. Something has to happen. And in Pocahontas 1, Andy, we had a really hard time finding the, finding the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. In this movie, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear. The signposts that we've set up in the past, um, John Rolfe arrives and, and needs to bring someone back to meet with the king and queen. Right. Pocahontas accepts the offer mm-hmm. to go back. Uh, literally, we, we talk about in many of these movies how it's the job of the protagonist to travel from one world to another. In Pocahontas 1, we felt like that was a little bit blurry because John Smith was the one traveling from one world to another. Right. He And he really seems like the protagonist in that movie, which is weird. But yeah, for sure. But here, Pocahontas mm-hmm. is actually going on a journey. And in fact, I, I'll, I'll say this in the movie's defense here. This is the thing she wanted in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Her I want song in the first movie was to see what's around the river bend. Mm-hmm. What's what's what else is there out in the world to see? 
Right. And I, I would argue she's fine. She never got that in the first movie. She never mm-hmm. left the place she always was. Here she's going across one mighty river, the Atlantic Ocean, and she's going to see a real different world. Yeah, and in that way, this feels like a giant correction, doesn't it? This film feels that way. Like they're finally getting to the meat of what they should have done in the first film, but they're they're making it better. Pocahontas had a want in the first movie, and she never even gets close to getting it. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, it's like if the fairy godmother was was like was like, what do you really want? And she's like, I want to see other places. Well, I'm giving you a man. That's what you're getting. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Moving through the plot. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend some time on, on this, but not a ton because the plot's not complicated, but I suspect many people have not seen this movie. And I don't know that we're going to change many hearts and minds by the end of this. Uh, Pocahontas goes back across the ocean with John Rolfe. Uh, Along the way, she takes with her uh, another member of her tribe, Udamatamakan, uh, who is generally referred to, I believe, as Udi, mm-hmm. uh, because that's because that's short. Uh, Miko, Miko, Flit, and Percy sneak aboard the ship to go with her, although they will never become plot relevant in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and and for all intents and purposes, she could have left them at home. Except we do need comic relief moments, and they do provide that. So that's yeah. But I mean, for for plot purposes, I guess I'm sure. saying uh, sure. Like they don't they don't impact the plot in a significant way. Uh, we we spend some time. John Ralph and Pocahontas get to know each other. Their relationship does not take off the same way that that John Smith's relationship with Pocahontas took off. They're a little slower to trust each other. Uh, John Rolfe seems to have some baked-in ideas about misogyny, which are not atypical of the time period, but he also seems to be honorable and attempting to respect her, uh, even, if, even if she's not the companion he would have chosen to bring back to England. But the story doesn't really start kicking off until after the journey when they arrive in the New World, where Pocahontas immediately is overwhelmed by by the city that she sees. There seem to be a lot of wonders there. She does not know the customs. She does not know know the the way to behave in London. Uh, she, She treats it like it's a world of wonder, which is fun to see. Uh, because, you know, Belle, Belle walking through this village would have been like, uh, I want more than this city life. But, but, uh, but like there's some exploration, but ultimately the problem is this. Governor Radcliffe has poisoned the king against, against the native people and wants to send an armada to slaughter them and take the non-existent gold. Pocahontas therefore must prove to the king that she is not a savage, her people are not savages, mm-hmm. and that Governor Radcliffe is not trustworthy. We get a bit of My Fair Lady, where where Pocahontas yeah. gets a makeover. She's taught London etiquette, uh, that sort of thing. She manages to make a good impression on the king. She gets an invitation to the ball, um, where she is doing a great job. But Governor, yes, 
Well, Am I going thought, too fast, Nancy? Wait, a little bit, because there, there's a, she wants to meet with the king and do the job of saying, hey, don't send this armada, right? And yes. she's she's off put a little bit because it's like, no, now they're going to send her to a hunt ball. Okay. And at the hunt ball twice, she's like, let's talk about this. He's like, nope, enjoy the ball. Let's have dinner. Nope. Here's where we're watching a show. So she never gets the moment that she needs with him to say, you should not send this armada. And that what she's I mean, doing. I mean, she eventually gets it, obviously, but but she's she's trying to get that audience. And and James really doesn't see her as a I mean, he kind of sees her as a novelty more than a, an emissary, right? Oh, I mean, she's not treated like a diplomat, but I do get the sense from him that when he's saying to her, oh, we'll talk about that later, we'll talk about that later, he does seem to be charmed by her and he does seem to be inclined to give her what uh, what she wants. And I also get the sense that James is not the actual real power here uh, because he's kind of goofy, but his wife, Queen Anne, seems to be smarter than he is and and have a better sense of who like, there's a lot of quiet dignity in the portrayal of Queen Anne. Did you right. feel and, that and way? She, yeah. And she's, and she's really the one who welcomes Pocahontas more than anybody. I mean, yeah, everybody else is sort of uh, really, really the, the women in London are the ones who welcome her. Not so much the, the people who see her as sort of a means, the men who see her as a means to an end, I think. So, I mean, so Pocahontas does some dancing. At the dancing, there is some clear sparkage happening between her and John Rolfe. Uh, they are clearly very attracted to one another, uh, even though they don't always get to dance together. But this is where Radcliffe makes his move. He was in charge of throwing the party. And he specifically, uh, after singing a villainous song, Things Are Not What They Appear, he uh, brings in... Uh, a bear baiting moment there. A bear baiting is a terrible practice that is historically true for entertainment. They bring out a bear mm -hmm. uh, and they torture him to make him mad. Uh, generally speaking, the next phase of it was once the bear was enraged, they'd throw dogs at him and watch the bears destroy the dogs. We don't get that far. And Percy barks a bark of relief because when Pocahontas sees them torturing the bear again, Direct to Disney DVD, we mm -hmm. have the torture of a bear after the murder of a love interest. <laughs> Princess Diaries is afraid to have anybody slap anybody, but, but Pocahontas too is like, sure, some animal cruelty. Yes, please. Oh, uh, Pocahontas stands up for the bear, says that this is wrong, um, and basically says, you are the savages, not me, mm. uh, which insults the king. And says, so the king basically says to Governor Radcliffe, go send your armada, kill all those people. They're there. I was insulted. Go and do it. Go and make do. Uh, all righty. What I, I want to speed up a little bit. There's a reveal. John Smith is alive. Gasp. And there's a love triangle aspect with John Smith and John Rolfe. Uh, John Pocahontas is very happy to see John Smith. John Rolfe seems to be glad that Smith is alive, but but secretly not really, because there clearly right. is a strong connection between the two of them. And I'm not sure which one of these guys we're supposed to be rooting to end up with Pocahontas. Right. Truthfully, I could see the movie going either way. 
And that I think is interesting because very often, very often in these movies, there is a clear right choice and a clear wrong choice. Yeah. And I don't don't think you have that here. Also, there's also usually the person like, so for example, rescuers down under, they -hmm. present both Bernard and Jake, but we know we want Bianca to be with Bernard. We know it from minute one and and it never wavers. And we never we're never really overly concerned Bianca's gonna pick Jake over Bernard. Mm-hmm. Here, she legitimately has a connection with both of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one she feels more strongly for. Her yeah. first love, who was adventurous, or her new suitor, who seems to be, I'm I'm gonna say less fun and a little more serious, but also in some strange way, more respectful of her decision-making and agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a period where she runs off the, to the woods angry and John Smith starts to chase after her. And John Rawls says, let her go. She needs some time. And John Smith says, you might not care about her, but I do. And I, I see both of those responses. And I think, I think the movie is telling us, the person who actually is letting Pocahontas make her decision to go off and be by herself is probably the person who understands her better. Right. But that is complicated relationship dynamics for something that I had to dig through five copies of the Hunchback of Notre Dame 2 in order to find a copy of. (laughs) Right. Right. You know? Yeah. This is... the I... I like the equal. I like the fact that Pocahontas has a choice, and I like the fact that these men don't decide it amongst themselves, which they probably would have. Uh, I, I like that she has the choice between who she's going to follow and what she's going to do. And I like that I don't. I legitimately don't know. Right. I I I have no clue which one she's going to pick even if historically I know which one she ends up with. This mm-hmm. is a Disney movie and historiosity has been thrown out the window quite <laughs> some time ago. Yeah, right. Correct. I think around when the tree started talking. I think around then that's right. when I was like, you know what? This might not be historically accurate. Uh putting all of that aside, Uh, Pocahontas leads the charge to convince the king that, in fact, Governor Radcliffe lied to him. And she's she's able to furnish the king with proofs along to that end. But Radcliffe already launched the armada and is on his way to destroy uh, the the indigenous people of the new world. Mm -hmm. Andy, what would you say the climax of this movie is? Or is there more than one? Well, I mean, it's it's a pretty climactic ending. I mean, you have Pocahontas jailed, right, at one point, and and Rolf and Smith go to to save her uh, together, along with their animal friends. Uh, you have Ratcliffe being challenged, which is, I really think, where the climax is, because again, good versus evil, right? Um, Ratcliffe is the uh, climb. There, there's a climax there where they challenge him and, and give him really a taste of his own medicine where he, he dies the same way he tried to kill John in the same way he tried to kill John Smith. Um, but yeah, I think that would probably be the climax uh, with a strong second, maybe emotional climax of Pocahontas breaking up with John Smith. 
to embrace John Rolfe. I mean, that, there's a moment where she she breaks up with him. I, I think you're right. I think the two climax. So I think, first of all, there's the action climax where, by the way, at first I was like, oh, are we really going to watch John Smith fight Ratcliffe? Is that are we going to watch the Johns fight Ratcliffe? It's like, that's what I'm here to see. Uh, ultimately, John Smith does defeat Ratcliffe, but then the movie takes a turn, which I kind of like. Ratcliffe gets the upper hand on John Smith uh-huh. in a dishonorable fashion. And then Pocahontas uh, manipulates the sale a little bit to knock to knock Ratcliffe off. It is right, Pocahontas right. who defeats Ratcliffe ultimately yeah. and not John Smith, which hooray, the job of the pro this movie knows what the job of a protagonist, protagonist is. is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and hooray it, it for is, that. It is kind of wild though to watch him, you know, go to his death as he, you know, he's struggling to swim and the three of them just stand on the side of the ship and watch him go down. I mean, that is, I'm like, and that got a G rating, but like, okay. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't even know anymore. I, I do want to say, I, I do want to say like, wow, they, I mean, they really went for it in this, in this DVD. They were not phoning it in. No, no. I mean, they, I, like I said, this movie, you're right. It is, it is far superior to the first. I mean, the first really serves as exposition for, for what I think is really kind of an inch. I mean, the, the arcs are interesting, the becoming who you are uh, and staying who you are. It, 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 that idea of, of Pocahontas is really interesting. The idea of that Rolf has where he's sort of a naive believer in the crown to being someone who is more skeptical and learning that a true gentleman isn't necessarily the person uh isn't necessarily the king, but it's it's something that's inner and and there is a way to to behave. So his ideal is important, but it may not be in the crown and he has to, you know, deal with that. And then of course Smith, you know, coming back on the scene like almost like Strider in the Lord of the Rings. You see him at the table with the hood and the and he goes off on horseback, right? So yeah, it's it feels very um it's interesting. Very interesting. I mean, I, and then, then there's the next thing, which you've also identified, which is the emotional climax of this movie. We have built up this love triangle, which we didn't see coming. Mm-mm. And Pocahontas has a choice to make. And both men pretty much. Uh, so first, John Smith says, listen, I just talked to the king. I have a life of adventure. Come with me. And we'll have a life of adventure where we explore the world and see all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And then looks at Pocahontas and realizes she doesn't want that at all. Although, Andy, mm-hmm. that is what she's always wanted. Yes. That is absolutely what she's always wanted. I don't understand why she doesn't want it now. Mm. But fine. She doesn't want it. They break up. They recognize that they are probably soulmates, but that their, you know, their time together was special, but now they've got to go in different directions. Right. She looks for John Rolfe. John Rolfe is nowhere to be found. Uh, so she goes to go aboard the ship. Uh, on the ship, John Rolfe is there. He's going with her. Uh, and and even though he has always wanted to live in England and stay in that city sort of life, he'd rather be with her making a life in the new world. 
Uh, and, and we end on the two of them together. Mm. Question for you, Andy. Yes. Which of these guys do you actually want Pocahontas to be with, if either? I mean, I, th- I think... I think Rolf's more interesting long term than Smith is. Smith is I mean, I think I think Pocahontas wants to be with her people. I don't think Smith is really interested in that as much as Rolf is. So yeah. You want to be and with see, the, you know, I don't know. I, I I think she should be with Smith because yeah? she's a Disney princess who has wanted a life of adventure. This guy who's like, well, we can just stay home and, and never go anywhere and just live with your people. I I just, I don't, he, that is not appealing. That, look, look. Well, okay, I but under- if, the, if, the, if the idea, wait a minute. If the idea is that she is somebody who wants to lead her people, which you kind of get that. Um, Does that she? she? Well, but she's in that role. She's in this role of of princess and emissary, and she's leading her her people. Um, in in some interest, I mean, it's like there's some there's some sort of shift happening in that in that tribe, right? And so it seems to me that Rolf sees that maybe, um, and is willing to go with her. I mean, I find that appealing. As opposed to her I mean, following, she does him. have she does have responsibilities. I don't know that she's ever wanted those responsibilities. Oh, uh, maybe at the end of the day, um, I I would be okay with her choosing neither of them. Uh, it's not a binary. You don't have to. Yeah, pick one well, of these, that's, that's interesting. John A or John B. You don't have to pick either one. She could be. Like oh, the, she could be alone. You know, and be okay with that. I, how great would it be to have a Disney princess who is in a love triangle and at the end of the love triangle says, you know what? I'm good enough as is. I don't need either of you to complete me. I'd love right. that. Yeah. That'd be uh, interesting. Uh, also, John Rolf will never have an action figure and I can't put him on my wall of Disney stuff. So Pocahontas is next to John Smith. I'm sorry. That's the way that it is. That's the way it is. Okay. So it's no John Rolf action figures. Yep. I mean, I, Disney, go and make one now. I, I, I If you do, <laughs> I will buy one. It will take that his is rightful ex- place on Larry's shelf. Because I'm a completionist and I can't help myself, not because I want it. <laughs> All right. So characters. Um, Pocahontas. Yes. Let's talk about characters. Yeah. So I like her character in this. As you said, she is a true protagonist. She's acting with a protagonist function. She has an arc. Uh, and it's strong. It's really strong uh, in figuring out what, what it is that. I mean, she's willing to go along with this My Fair Lady shtick, right? But in the end when it comes, when the bear's being tortured and there are all these things that are happening, she's like, no, this is, I'm this person. If they want to see me, they need to see the real me, which I think is pretty great. I also think that what this movie does, and I don't know if it does it intentionally, but I'm willing, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and say it's intentionally. Pocahontas's true enemy in this movie is the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are men who are constantly telling her what to do. And I will include her father in this. I will include John Rolfe in this. I will include John Smith in this. Obviously, Governor Radcliffe. 
but also King James. Mm-hmm. All, she is she is being pushed and pulled and asked to dance to a number of these different tunes along the way. And by the end of the movie, the person who's calling the shots is Pocahontas. It's Pocahontas. And that is a strong arc. And it isn't done in a way where like it's obvious and over the like because again, this is a movie for little kids that was intended mm-hmm. to buy buy you a shower when they watch it. <laughs> um so so I don't know that kids are going to internalize this message when they watch it, but but it's there. It's in the text. Uh Pocahontas this is a much more feminist friendly movie mm-hmm. I think than the original one is. Uh which which really positioned Pocahontas in a place of having to choose between her love of her people and her romantic love for John Smith. Right. Right? Like uh, this this is not that. This is how do I get my agency? How do I find my voice? Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like yeah. that so much. What about John Rolfe, uh, Billy Zane's character, who does a great job, I think. Great job with a boring character. Oh, uh, you really I, think he's boring? Okay. Oh, he's vanilla ice cream, Andy. Um, you know, <laughs> like I like he he's just super polite and he's super respectful and he has no edges and you're probably right he would make a better partner yes than john smith <laughs> he is he is a safe choice yes. he is a safe choice um you probably won't have to fight with him a lot he'll be very accommodating well but, but i, I the- think he can, well he comes to some really hard realizations because he has some ideas about what is appropriate and how i mean he has these definite like standards in his life and i think when the rug gets pulled out from him a little bit when he realizes that the king and governor ratcliffe are not as they seem i think that's um it's quite a realization for him i mean maybe this i look he's pretty naive when it starts i mean he's like you know noblesse oblige uh yeah, I'm looking for Chief Pocahontas. Oh, wait a minute, you're who are you? And so I think he grows into this understanding. And I think he has some growth as a character. I think he does too. I think he does too. I just don't think he's fun. I mean that that really ah, okay. is is the thing for me. I want I want romance to be fun in a movie. I I want flirty flirty stuff. I want I want like the are we about to kiss sort of tension like do you like me like i I like blushing and hand holding and and being playful and i mean i think i think the scene that's so that's so interesting to me is when um she's getting dressed for this ball and she's wearing more clothes which are underwear she's wearing more that way than she ever wears in uh in her as part of her native dress and he is embarrassed to see her in her underwear. And I'm like, oh, that's was, You've funny. seen her skin. It's super it's funny. It's covering to me, up more it's, of her body. But I think it's and funny like, to me. I, I, that, that was funny to me. But you know what else? That's foppish, too. That's that's a C-3PO level of like embarrassment, which is like, oh, my. The princess is now in her pajamas. Oh, this is how dreadful. Oh, I'm getting the baby to my fainting couch. Oh, <laughs> right. I, I just. I, look, look, clearly, clearly I am wrong on this. He would be a good partner. I right. think he'd be a good partner. He's 
he's just not my type. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Aladdin or die. Aladdin or die. That's it. All right. Captain John Smith, who we see die and then come back to life, I guess. Um, bit of a resurrection in this character. I mean, but there is so much more life energy to John Smith. He has the joy of living. Mm-hmm. Uh, the At least the fictional version we see in this movie does. Uh, he's got that sort of just like any moment that he's in, even if it's a dangerous moment, mm-hmm. is a moment where he feels intensely alive. Right. And yes, that may not be the smart choice to go for that person. He He may be, of the two of them, the bad boy. Right. I get it. I get it. I hands down. I think he's cuter. Hands down of the two of them. I don't like him. I don't like him. I didn't like him in the first movie. Well, but like, you know, it's him or a sack of yeah, potatoes. Yeah. Like I don't like him in the first movie. And so when I see him in the second movie, it's almost like John Rolfe is a relief. Yeah. Cause I'm like, why are you going for this guy? He's kind of a jerk. So I, I feel better about her choice here. Okay. That's fine. We'll we'll come back to this later during game time. Okay. <laughs> Governor oh, Ratcliffe, we- uh, David Ogden Steers comes back for this role. Um, boy, is he awful in this? Uh, awful. I, I mean, villainous. Awful, like mean, villainous. Like, yes, yeah, correct. Not, not awful. Right, not portrayal. awful. No, 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 no. Wonderful portrayal and absolutely a terrible, a wonderfully, deliciously awful villain. But but here's what makes him a better villain in this movie than in uh-huh. the first movie. Okay. In this movie, he knows who Pocahontas is. Mm-hmm. In this movie, he knows Pocahontas is his enemy. He is analyzing her. He is trying to figure out her weaknesses. He is working to destroy her and her people. And it's personal because Pocahontas def- helped to defeat him in the first movie. Mm-hmm. The tension in in the first movie, Governor Radcliffe was would have been like Pocahontas. Who is that? What? I don't know who she is. In this one, he's like, "This is this is the woman I need to destroy for me to get my way." And and Andy, it's better. It's Mm. it's not the character that was the problem in the first movie. It was that he didn't have a relationship with her. This is better. She has to dance with him. Yeah, she has to dance with him oh, at the it's super, ball. It's super. It's super wonderful. That tension too. At that that dance is just so awful. I mean, uh, that might be a craft takeaway. I think any movie is probably better if you make your protagonist and your antagonist have to dance together in a social setting. Let me see He Man and Skeletor ballroom <laughs> dance, and I think that's an amazing scene. Excellent. I do. Excellent. I do. No, I agree with you. I think the more contact they have where they have to be appropriate, where they can't show their true colors, I think is really pretty delicious. And it's great, great. And they great both know, each, they both see tension. through each other. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. both see true, true, uh, through each other and both know who the other is. I will say there's one, there's one thing that beat that they missed here. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it would have been worth doing. Percy the dog was Governor Ratcliffe's dog in the Mm -hmm. first movie. And I said in that first movie, like, does Percy care about his master at all? But I think there's an opportunity here for Governor Ratcliffe to see Percy running around with Miko and Flit and be like, but that's my dog. And take Percy back and have a subplot where Miko and Flit are trying to free Percy. 
I think that would have been Oh, that would something. be really good. Yeah, that would have been kind of Cinderella-esque, wouldn't it? Where you have kind of a second, uh, kind of a something happening in the animal world that mirrors what's happening in the human world. That's interesting. Yeah. And maybe we can see why Percy doesn't love his master. I My, my big issue with Percy is always dogs love unconditionally, even if their master is not great. We saw that in The Fox and the Hound. I, Percy was really treated well by the governor. Why doesn't he like him? And it's an opportunity for us to see why. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I, I think that's a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if the animals quick. are there, yeah, yeah it doesn't have to be quick. long. Uh, King James and Queen Anne. Do we have anything to say about them? I don't in particular. I feel like I've said King James does not come off as regal in this. He definitely comes in like, uh, I, I want to say like he's he's very foppish mm-hmm. and not particularly strong of mind or spirit, very easily influenced, very wishy-washy. Um, and I guess he needs to be. Uh, yeah. If he reminds me of a royal character, he reminds me more of Prince John from Robin Hood yeah. than he does anybody else. Prince John maybe coupled with the king from Cinderella, where he's sort of selfish and wants what he wants and doesn't really want to listen to anyone. I think those two together. got big kid energy. Yeah, like, yeah, like for he's sure. Just, he's like a child. I have to imagine, like, he pretends to be the king and then he goes back to his room and Queen Anne tells him what to do the next day. Like, the th- here are the things that will make you a good king. Now, our favorite character in this family was Mrs. Jenkins, um, who every time uh, John Rolfe calls for her, you hear a a, a cup break uh, in much the same way that you might hear like uh, in Franken, uh, young Frankenstein, you might hear uh, Frau Blucher and then you hear nay, right? I mean, like every time you hear her name, you hear the the clatter of a uh, or the breaking of a teacup. And all she does is make tea and and dress people, apparently, and dust. That's all she does. <laughs> but she's lovely, I, and we I, love her. <laughs> she's lovely. Uh, I also liked Adamatamakin, uh, uh-huh. which is the really tall uh, native character who travels with Pocahontas. He's mm-hmm. silent for most of the movie, but he has an intimidating physical presence. I love the bit where the chief says to him, take this stick for each each um, person from Englishman that you see carve a notch into that stick so mm-hmm. that while you're there, you're gathering information on just how many of them there are. Right. And I actually do love the physical comedy of he's just constantly carving down the, the and then eventually it's a toothpick and then eventually right. he flicks the toothpick away. There's so many of them. Right. It's a great visual. I love the visual of him running alongside the carriage. Uh-huh. Um, I think, I think there's something there with this character. I hate how this character exits the movie. Yeah. Which is ultimately after all of this time of refusing to get dressed up of, of really like standing out in the crowd at the end, he's dressed like an English gentleman. He, he utters four words of words of dialogue, which is like pip, pip, toodaloo, something along the lines. They get Brad Garrett to come in and do four words to, to voice this character. A couple of ums and uhs, right? Um, I think that's so funny. But but ultimately, like the ending bothers me because it posits that like indigenous people, when they see what's in London, would choose to stay there. Uh, And and since the only other character who goes there, Pocahontas, also ends up uh, clearly romantically uh, attached to someone from London. I I don't know. There's this I feel like there's an assimilationist text 
happening at the end of this movie. Yeah, I would. A little icky. I I get the joke. It's the same joke they had when Percy was in the headdress, and I didn't like that joke either. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first one, uh, I I would have preferred it if he'd gotten back on the boat. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I thought he was an interesting character. Yeah, he a, yeah. He had presence. I like. I mean, it. I I love the scene where it's the hunt ball, and he's told that he has to wear a jacket, and he just takes the jacket from the guy who tells him he needs a jacket. I mean, that's pretty funny. And then that guy just stands there like half naked, <laughs> like okay, like I'm, like he has no choice. I know, I know my place, right? I, yeah. I guess, I guess. <laughs> Super fun little bits throughout this movie. I mean, this movie only has like a twenty nine percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that's, I think that's sad because, um, I I really people think, don't know what to do with it. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be because the music isn't very catchy. I mean, there's it is not, not there's not a lot going on music wise. I think every time there's a song, I feel like we're taking time out from the story for the song that doesn't really drive the story either take the music out or punch it up and uh yeah do be- or, or reprise the songs that you we heard before like if she has an i want song why not bring that one back yeah change some words change yeah. change some lyrics i also think probably this is mm-hmm. true if you were someone who loved pocahontas enough to watch pocahontas too you mm-hmm. want to see her end up with John Smith. I think. Oh, true. I, yeah. Yeah. I, you and I didn't really want her to end up with John Smith. So I think it's easier for us to see her with John Rolfe. Right. Right. Um, but probably if you're a kid, you you really don't want, you don't want to see like Cinderella get divorced from Prince Charming. You, <laughs> you, you don't want to find out that and Cinderella Ariel, too, Ari- she's really hanging out with a footman, right? Like, no. <laughs> You don't want to see Ariel say and Eric say we're just friends now. And you don't. It's just it's just not something you probably want. You, That's Minnie is dating right. Donald Duck now. You don't want that. Yikes. You don't want that in oh, your sequel. No, 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 no. That would be bad. All, All right. right. <laughs> Are you ready for some game time? I am ready for some game time. Bring it. OK, so this game is called, Andy, Fairy Godmother Dating Game. OK. <laughs> OK. Andy, I I feel that you are so good and so virtuous, and and probably other people in our audience also believe that you're their fairy godmother. Oh, uh, so I, I I think that's probably true. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> you're probably not uh, wrong. No, um, from yeah, that's funny. I mean, but so I am Fair. assigning you. You have been made the fairy godmother. Pocahontas. Okay. Uh, and, and you can be any kind of fairy godmother you want. It doesn't impact the game. So if you want wings, you can have wings. If you're a dragon, if you're if you're two mice traveling on a bird, I don't really care. Okay. Uh, but but I was not happy with either of these gentlemen that Pocahontas might have ended up with. Mm-hmm. And so I would like you as the fairy godmother to to cast a spell to bring her ideal partner. Uh, into her life. Uh, but we're going to do this very scientifically. Uh, you're going to ask the magic. I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay. You're going to answer it. And then the magic will summon one of uh, the <laughs> half dozen or so suitors okay. uh, that I have lined up that I have lined up for Pocahontas. Uh, not all of them, not all of them are as good as others, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll it's, see where it's they all going to be. It's Perfect. all going to get calculated. Okay? Perfect. Perfect. So all right. Andy, here I'm assuming is, the role. All right. Here's my first all question. Right. For you. 
Mm-hmm. Pocahontas's ideal partner. Do you see her as ending up with someone who is playful the way that she's playful? Or would, would you rather see her with somebody who's serious and balances out her playful side? Mm, well, okay, because she's kind of playful, I mean, thinking about the snowball fight and all of that, um, which now you're making me realize why they put the snowball fight in that movie, probably to bring, uh, to make John Rolfe seem more appealing. Um, I'm going to have to go with someone who balances her out. So I'm okay, going to so say you're... something less playful and more, okay. more, more serious. More serious. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would be attracted uh, to her playful side, right? Okay, opposites attract. Opposites do attract, yes. The nice thing about this game, Andy, is only the result can be wrong, but your answers can't be wrong. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, Andy, and ultimately, where would you like to be seeing Pocahontas live? Would you Mm. want her living in the woods uh, with, with her people? Do you want to see her in high society in London? Or do you want to see her maybe in, like, the streets of London? Like, not with high society, but still in the city. Not necessarily, mm. like, street gang level, but but lower class. <laughs> so, so ideally, as her fairy godmother, do you want to put her in the woods, city streets, or high society? Uh, just because I'm curious, I'm going to put her in the city streets. <laughs> what kind of fairy godmother are you? She liked the streets, okay? When she was with the people, she really seemed to enjoy herself in the marketplace and like eating pies and such. So I'm going to put her where she wants, where she enjoys. She seemed to be more, oh, more okay. free there. At first, at first, my objection was you're like, you you said, like, I just, I'm curious. That is not how fairy godmothers work. But if you think she'll be happy there. I think I she would be happier there. Yes, I think she would. All be. right. It's a happy okay. medium between being with uh, people that are just seem to have some, you know, they're real. I think she's a right. real person. Yes. All right. So would you, you're, you're going to give her a companion, uh, not necessarily to split up uh, the, the protagonist function so much, um, but uh, would you give her um, a, you know, magical guardian or a forest animal friend. Oh, magical wow. guardian or forest animal. I think she's due for some magic. Let's give her a magical guardian. Magical guardian. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Last last bit here. Okay. Uh, life of wild energy or home with stability. Oh, life with wild energy. Okay. <laughs> All right, I am going to. I actually I feel like we've mad. Li- I feel like we've mad lived this out. So you're going to tabulate the the. the scores. I know. I, I do. I do need to. It, it it doesn't work perfectly. It's not like a branching path, um, but uh, I'm I'm putting it through the computer. And Andy, uh, you you wanted someone serious who would uh-huh. be at home in the city streets, but right. also uh, has an element of magic and a life of wild energy, uh, and. Um, as it turns out, uh, you have set Pocahontas up with her soulmate, uh, Wendy Darling's younger brother, John. Uh, he's got his <laughs> monocle um, and his yes! top hat. There it is. Uh, there he's it is. He's very serious uh, about his play. I he's think very that- serious. And, and Tinkerbell 
is is part of this companionship. Yeah, that, that's part of what pushes us to to um, John Darling. Uh, and I will say, Andy, this was not the worst possible option. No, I had I bet. Mean, I think I John had Darling needs money. to grow up a little bit, but I mean, he's sure, not that, no, no, grown he's, up. He's not that much younger than Pocahontas. <laughs> grown up, John Darling. Sure. Um, but I do want to say, in case you were concerned that this game was rigged, it kind of was. I thought I, I tried to program the answers I thought you'd pick so that uh -huh. I could tell you that Pocahontas is matched up with Tigger. <laughs> that but, did not but it happen. didn't go that way. It didn't go you that didn't way. Pick the woods. You didn't pick playful. You didn't pick. <laughs> you did pick Life of Wild Energy. It just was not enough. Uh, so there we have it. Uh, it is a love match, Pocahontas, and yet again. Another John. She is meant <laughs> to be with, with a, John. a John. There it is. There, there it is. is. Done. That Done. is, the, of all the games we've played, that's absolutely been my favorite. Thank you. Okay. Well, maybe we'll play it again sometime. Maybe we'll play it, it with Xenon 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that, do we have to, yeah, I guess we're going to have to watch that, aren't we? What movie are we tackling next week? And I hope it's not Xenon 3. It is not seen on three. Thank goodness. Good. I actually didn't. I didn't think we could do this movie, Andy, because we did one sports movie already, already this season. Oh. But apparently there is no rule in the book that says we can't do a second sports movie if the main so character is a dog. Yay! So we are doing <laughs> Air Bud. Yay, next Air week. Bud. For all you Air Which Bud I've never fans seen. out there. Okay. Well, I've never seen it. Oh boy. Um <laughs> I well. understand neither dogs nor basketball. Best of luck, Andy. I hope I love it. <laughs> well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page or drop us a line in our mailbag for that one hundredth episode. Once yes, upon please. a Disney podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. Pip pip. Toodaloo. Thank you.